This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Let's talk money. Mary Holm has a new book. Hello. Hello, Jesse. Plug that straight away. (laughs) Well done on this book. Thank you. Thank you. It's called Rich Enough, a laid-back guide for every Kiwi. And you've been beavering away on this one for a while. Oh, yeah. The first half of the year I was... Worked really hard on it, but I handed it in in about July. It takes a few months, then yeah. that's the exciting part once you've done that bit. Aside yeah. from the obvious answer, why did you want to write a book? Because the publishers came to me and said, Why don't you? And I said, Because it's really hard to make much money for a book in New Zealand. Mm. And, and he said, Oh, give it a go again. You know, yeah. I haven't done one for nine years. Mm-hmm. And I, he talked me into it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, why would we pay for Mary when we get Mary for free oh. on, a, on, a, on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon? Oh, yeah, but there's so much more detail in it, Jesse. Yeah, yeah, which we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about. Because yeah. the. Um, well, tell us about the premise of the book. Well, we we started out just talking about a basic personal finance book with, you know, steps you can take to do to do things well financially. But then I mentioned to the publisher that I was had was also thinking of doing another book about the relationship between money and happiness and he mm. said, I want you to do it all in one book and so the the idea behind the book is that following on from the research that says that once you've got a certain amount of money, having more money than that doesn't necessarily make you happier. And mm. in fact, some research suggests it makes you less happy. And so the idea is to get people to the point where they've got enough, they've got their money sorted enough and enough enough wealth, enough income coming in, etc., for them to look at the other important things in life, because money's not, you know, and making money and investing, that's not all that interesting or important. Mm. In, in a way, once you've got the basics there, um, get out and be doing other things with your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the book is organised around sorting your finances step by step. and yes. And why is it helpful... To do it instead. To do it that way. Because so many people come to me and say, I don't know where to start. You know, they they might have some credit card debt, they've got a student loan, they might not yet have a house, or they might be furiously saving for a house. Should they do that, or should they do KiwiSaver? Mm. Should they? There's a, a lot of people at different stages in their lives that just don't know what to zero in on first. And so quite often they don't do any, you know. I mean, I'm really aware that a lot of people think money's either scary or boring or Mm. they just don't want to think too much about it. And so they get on with their lives, which is great, but they could be doing the money, they could be doing it more easily, actually, than what they're doing. A lot of them are doing more work than they need to. There's, you know, a lot of research suggests, and I write about that quite a lot in the book, that once you get things set up the right way for you, then you can forget about it and get on with other things in your life. Mm. And and so it's kind of a a case of getting in and getting going. And then I had to think about what order to put the various steps in. And, And I thought for a while about what people should be doing first and second and third. And let me just jump to the end and say, at the very end, I've got step question mark after steps one to seven and then step question mark, which is buying a house or not buying one. Because 
some readers will already have one, so that's kind of before they've even started. Some readers, listeners, I should say, sorry, Mm. um, or readers of the book, listeners to your program, um, haven't got a house and are desperately trying to get one. Some of them have given up on ever, ever having one or they're just saving for it. And so it's kind of slot that one in where it suits you, depending on what else is going on in your life. Uh, but the other steps are all kind of sequential, really. Um, the very first one is just get started. Mm. Um, stop mucking around and saying this is too hard or too boring or too whatever and and get going, set yourself up a little plan. I've met um, a couple of people, Mary, who... Um yeah, I hope you'll take this the right way, but they say they enjoy hearing you on the radio, but they they find it sort of washes over them, yeah. and they say, oh, you just, I hear her saying all these things, and I think, yeah, I should be doing all that, and one day I will, but for now it's just yes. nice hearing someone who's in control of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that, I So your advice is reassuring even if people aren't following it, I think. Is yes, the, is and, the, and, and the idea behind the book, perhaps, is that they... They get the book and then they do just take mm. it one step at a time. Someone and, else has got in um, touch, by the way. I don't want to embarrass you, but they reckon you're the Nigella Lawson of money and make <laughs> investment sounds very attractive. Well, wasn't Nigella her behaviour a bit dodgy? No, no, no. She was, oh, she's she's all clean. She got embroiled in something nasty with the next yeah. husband, I think. But uh, no, they quite. Oh. So, so I think oh, your, okay. your voice alone, as well as your advice, is quite oh, okay. uh, appealing well, yeah, to people. That's, that's very kind. Anyway, you yeah, better get started yeah. and not just here to compliment you. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Okay, well, we could do a session of that, that at some stage. Yeah, yeah. that'd be that'd mm. be neat. Um, um, so, so start yeah, now. Start now. Yeah, just get get going. And even if you just get onto the first step of the book, I mean, some people might want to just read through the book quickly and then come back and and actually do it step by step. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, so every month or something like that, they they look at the next step. So the first step is just about getting started. And the second step is killing off high-interest debt, which we've talked about quite often. I mean, it's just... I hate hearing about people with high-interest debt, but it's... Um, the book's got true tales all the way through it. I call them true tales, and they're all real things that happen to real people, um, me and my friends, but also, um, some, in some cases, people who've written to me over the years, etc., uh, and there's one about a couple that had $180,000 worth of credit card debt and got rid of it. And um, there wow. probably aren't that many listeners with more than 180000 I hope not. No. I, I mean, what massive amount of debt that was. And so I'm, I'm hoping people who have got credit card debt that they're not paying off on a regular basis might be a bit inspired by that story because mm. uh, the guy did outline how he got rid of it. And... Um, so that's that's. What are you talking step. about when you say high interest debt? Well, credit card debt, basically, or anything really anything higher interest than mortgage. Um, so bank overdrafts, although they don't tend to be as high as credit card mm. debt. And then, of course, you get into the really silly debt, the payday debt yeah. that some people have, and, which, and finance companies, yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It goes it goes on on up. Anything higher than if you're paying anything higher than twenty percent, it's it's, you know, serious. Uh, well, 20% is very serious mm. stuff. It does huge, huge damage to people's long-term wealth, How, what what sort of retirement they're going to have, mm. etc. So that's really number one priority above all else is to get rid of that debt. And then the next thing after that is to set up insurance and a rainy day fund, which mm. sounds a bit 
dull, you know, but the point is that that's how people often, if you can get yourself out of credit card debt, then you might fall back into it if something goes wrong, and that's Mm. what happens to people. They become redundant or they're running their own business and things go wrong in the business or for whatever reason, or or marriage ends, or um, people suddenly find they're running up debt again. And so if you've got insurance to cover, and I talk a lot about what sort of insurance is really essential and what isn't. I don't. I think people can be overinsured, mm. but if you've got insurance to cover the big disasters like your house burning down, that kind of stuff, um, then you want to look at having a rainy day fund as well, so that you have got money you can access, so you don't run up that big credit card debt again. And so that's that's my third step. Are you keen on health insurance? Yeah. Um, Yes, I mean it's it's quite expensive, and, and and as everyone points out, as they get towards retirement, it gets more and more expensive. The prices go go up really fast as you get older, which is just reflecting the fact that you use you use health, mm. uh, the doctors and the hospitals and that a lot more as you get older. But um, I personally think it's a good idea to have coverage for the big bad stuff, so the um, hospitalisation specialists, that sort of thing, not so much for GPs. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're someone who's got a lot of health problems and you're going to the doctor a lot more often than than most people do. Mm. But That's pretty um, good advice for most insurance, isn't it? If you can yeah. if you've got to be able to cover the expense yourself yes. um, one way or the other, don't insure for it. That's right. With with the rainy day fund or some other way you can you know you can set things up so you perhaps put something on the credit card and and the rainy day fund might be one month bank term deposits. And once the uh, deposit before you have to pay the credit card, the 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 term deposit will have matured, and so you can pay the credit card off with that with that money. Um, but yeah. Uh what was the beginning of that question? I can't remember now. What's what, how you felt about health insurance? But, oh yes, yeah, I mean yes. briefly, you know, life insurance. Yes. Or, you know, you go yeah, through that. Yeah, like, well, life insurance is one where you you've just got to step back and say, what would happen if I wasn't here anymore? Um, are there people who depend on me, on my income or my wealth, and? then do get coverage for that. There's some awful stories about people. I've got one in the, in the book about, you know, a family left. The father was an accountant and he should have known better, but he just probably thought he wouldn't die. I mean, people do think that. Uh, on the other hand, once people, as a person's getting older, quite often as the kids are no longer at home, you don't need life insurance anymore. <coughs> people have still got it. They kind of just think they should have it. Keep paying and, it each month. Yeah. And when you think about it, you know, if there's enough, if you've got a partner and there's enough, Assets there for the partner to be okay, and the yeah. kids don't need it anymore. Time to just stop it. Okay, yeah. that's worth thinking um, about. Yeah, yeah. But with cars and house and all of that, I reckon you should have enough to cover the bad stuff, but not the minor stuff, mm-hmm. because you're just paying the insurance company, and you know you don't need to, you don't need to do that. You can cover that with your own rainy day fund. Really good it's, one. Yeah, yeah. And then step four is. KiwiSaver, and we don't need to start down that track this time, but getting the best fund for you and all of that, we, we've talked about that many times before, yeah. and no doubt will again. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot of people are already in KiwiSaver, and I'm, so don't stop that except step, stop your contributions if you've got high interest debt. So going back to step two, which is the high interest debt, if you've got credit card debt and that, better to to put your KiwiSaver on holiday and 
get rid of that debt. But you must promise to put the money that was going into KiwiSaver into getting rid of the debt. That's the only reason I'd say go on a KiwiSaver contributions mm. holiday. And if you're not in KiwiSaver, get into it. It's really a pity to to miss out. I came across two women just the other day, self-employed, said, oh, it's not really for self-employed people. And I said, that's not true. <laughs> Still misunderstanding. 500 bucks free a year. Yeah, mm. yes, exactly. <clears throat> it's real pity. And then the next... Um, I'll just, and I'll just jump yes, in, by the yes, way, sure. for people who have just tuned in. It's our personal finance expert, Mary Holm, who's uh, giving us eight steps to sorting your finances. So if you have just started listening and you're one of those people who needs to get things under control and doesn't really know where to start, um, you can pick this conversation up on podcast later. But we're up to step five of eight. Yes, which is, I called it boost your saving painlessly. And so it's... You're already in KiwiSaver, but it's a good idea to save more than KiwiSaver. Um, and uh, the, that chap, this chapter looks at where else you might save outside KiwiSaver so that you keep access to that extra money. Um, although, as I point out, if you are one of those people who can't keep your little sticky fingers off extra savings and go and blow it on a big party or something when you're really wanting to save more for for retirement, then you could do it in KiwiSaver. But for most people, it's better to do extra saving outside KiwiSaver so you have got access to the money, depending on, you know, all sorts of different reasons why people some, sometimes suddenly want to have access to money. And could you Sorry, um, could you give us a bit more info on that? So boost your saving painlessly. Can you explain that? Yeah, the painlessly bit is about how you can save extra if your expenses go down or your income goes up. So, for example, if your expenses go down, if you pay off the mortgage, let's say, then um, I say for the first month after that year, blow the the money that was going on the mortgage Mm -hmm. on, on having some fun. But then after that, set up a regular transfer from your bank account into some kind of savings product. It might be KiwiSaver or it might be another fund that's non-KiwiSaver fund or other types of savings, a lot of them are set up to take regular transfers of money from you and that's a really good way to build up your savings and it's, and it's painless because you were spending that money on the mortgage or possibly on if you've got kids at home and then they leave home um, Or if you get a pay rise Yes, exactly, if you or get if a pay tax, rise tax cut or yes, something, right? So it's when expenses go down mm. or income goes up People keep on saying to me that it's not true when the kids leave home. They still cost a lot of money. Um, some kids do and some kids don't. But but uh, What about when you cancel your, your Sky subscription or, well, you know, go. one of those things? Yes, and suddenly suddenly you've got spare money. And yeah. if you get a pay rise or or for mm. whatever reason you've got some more money, I'm, I'm not saying the whole you have to save the whole lot, but save, you know, 75% of it, something like that, and, and, and so enjoy a higher standard of living by all means currently. But that's those are the times, those are the opportunities in your life when you can really um, get that saving really powering up mm. for you. Yeah. Um, the next step is called stay cool, and that's about coping when um, the market's don't cope when the when the share market goes down or or the value of bonds can go down or you know it, people's KiwiSaver accounts values can and will go down and gosh there's a lot of people in in financial circles now who are really quite worried because 
people in KiwiSaver haven't seen this happen yet. They haven't seen big drops in the market. Mm. At the very, very beginning, the global financial crisis, but most people were either not even in KiwiSaver or they had so little and they weren't taking much notice. Yeah. And um, We've had this the, great great run on share markets. We have. We? Ten in, years or so. Yes. So ten years, New Zealand market and to somewhat lesser extent the world international shares, but they've all... They blip down every now and then, and we've we've seen a few headlines. And you know, earlier this year, there was people saying, "Oh, here we go, here comes the crash," but it didn't happen. And um, so, I've got five rules for staying cool Great. when when the markets go down. And just going over them briefly, it might be good to do a whole session on them at some point, mm. actually. But um, just just. The first is to spread your risk, so you diversify, you've got money and not just a few shares, but lots of different shares, lots of different types of assets. Um, Largely ignore past performance, and that's a whole topic in itself, but don't go following what um, whichever KiwiSaver funds have done well lately, because very often the ones that have done well turn around and do badly. Don't try to time markets. So people do this all the time. They, whether it be the property market or the share market or whatever, they say, "Hmm, I think the market's going to do, go up, so I'm going to buy more." Or I think the market's going to go down, so I'm going to sell more. Um, that doesn't work. There's so much research. It would be great if it did, but people, you don't. People are no good at picking what market's going to do in the future. Never be forced to sell, and so you just don't want to ever get yourself into a position where you might be forced to sell an investment because you've got into financial trouble or because you you can't cope with the um, what the volatility of the market. That's when people make big losses, when they find themselves forced to sell. And then finally, rule number five is sit back and relax because, in fact, that and that's the sort of theme of the whole book, that there's a lot of things people are doing uh, financially that are actually not only unnecessary but harmful and you can, in fact, make your life quite a lot easier. Get it, you know, go through the basic steps, do it the easy way, get yourself set up, and then you can stop worrying, stop thinking about about investments, and get on with the the nice things in mm. life. Yeah, yeah. You're not meant um, to, even though you're invested in the share market, often through KiwiSaver. You, that doesn't mean you have to get the business section. I mean, you get the business section on a Saturday to read Mary's column, but it doesn't mean that you need to be studying the share charts. Absolutely, no, absolutely. Better if you don't. You don't yeah, it, it often is better if you don't. You know, Warren Buffett, you know, the richest, one of the richest people in the world who made his wealth out of share investing, says he just buys shares and doesn't look at them for years, doesn't look at how well they've done for years. Mm. And that's really good advice. It's not, not a good idea to watch things closely. And then step seven... It's called head confidently towards retirement and through it. And so it's and a lot of that step, which is it's quite a big step in the book, and it's one that younger younger readers might just set aside. They might sort of glance at it but mm. set, set aside. Because a lot of the this book is stuff that's gonna last it's gonna be around it's it's sort of home truths, if you will, of investing. Gonna be around for decades. Um but a lot of this step about retirement is how to make it easier because people panic. They think they need a million dollars, and you absolutely do not need a million dollars or anything like it to have a nice re- retirement. I list a lot of ways uh, that you can make things easier for yourself as you're heading towards retirement and in retirement in, in, in terms of money. Do you want to explain that a bit? Because people hear some pretty big numbers about what they're going to need yeah, yeah, when they, they retire. Uh, yes, people are, are often told 
that it's good to have a million dollars. And I mean, look, if you want to do a whole lot of first class travel, a whole lot, well, then it would be good to have a million dollars. But um, and you could say who doesn't want to do a whole lot of first class mm. travel. But but um, you can, you know, with half a million or a quarter of a million dollars, you can still have a pretty nice, comfortable retirement. You have lots more money than most people in retirement currently do. And um, the, I, I also look into a whole lot of different ways to make it easier for you, like getting reverse mortgage, which we talked about last time, um, or you can get borders into your house, or you can subdivide your land, or you can move to a cheaper town, or you can mm. um, set up uh, set up a bequest to a charity, and if you live past 90, you become the charity and you spend the money on yourself. Um, <laughs> so there's all kinds of different ways uh, I think that chapter, I hope, will be of comfort to people because I get really um, sad about how many people come to me. Just one last night I was at a seminar and she came up to me afterwards and said, I'm 66 and I'm really worried. I've got a certain amount of savings, but I'm about to retire, but I'm not planning to spend the savings because I need it sitting there. And I said, no, no, go and spend, have some fun early in your retirement while you're healthy enough to do mm. it oh but you know I'm worried I mean there's way too many people worrying too much about how things are going to be for them in retirement and that's a real pity because that's the time of life when they want to be, we want them to be enjoying things you know, it, are you more yeah. inclined to worry as you get to that point of life probably financially people are I think um, because when you're younger, you're always sort of hoping you're going to get a decent pay rise or, um, or you know, a big chunk of redundancy money that sometimes mm. happens in people's lives. Or, Although that's, that was a bit of a silly thing to say because redundancy is not a good thing, but occasionally people get... No, and these some days, other lump sum, yeah. Yeah, these days people don't get such big lump sums. I got a big one back many years ago, but... But um, out of fashion, aren't they? But yes, yes, they are. Unless your employer mucks up and you can, you know, threaten to take them to court or something, (laughs) which happens more often than you think. Yeah, well, I don't know that we should sit around hoping that's going to happen. But, but, um, yeah, and then the last step, as I say, is step question mark, which is about buying a home and or not buying one. And so I talk in some depth about the fact that you don't have to own a home to do well and be be comfortably often in retirement. Yes, Catherine Um, has texted. She says, Mary, does Mary think $100,000 is enough for someone who doesn't own their own home? Because I don't think it is. Hopefully, if you don't own your own home, you will have been trying in some way before 65 to be putting your money into something that appreciates in the same way as a home. Yeah, yes, you really, if you, yes, if you're planning to not buy a home, you really do want to get to retirement with more money than other people would, obviously. Um, We've done a session on that, Yes, we we have, Mm. yes. Having said that, a lot of people, about half the people in currently retired live on New Zealand super plus $100 or less from from other savings and so on and do okay on it. But um, what I was going to say about the the chapter on buying a, a, a house is that I also look at how to actually go about buying it, how to go about selling your house, because um, there's a lot I've sort of learned over the years from a lot of it from readers' letters, actually, about ways to sell houses and ways ways not to yeah. sell them. Because once you've, once you've bought one house, you never know, you might be mo- moving on. And quite a lot about mortgages, about how to get the best out of your mortgage. And, yeah, you've written some great yeah. stuff about that. Uh, oh, I remember reading you. in your column... You pointing out how little incentive there is for 
a real estate agent to bargain that extra thousand dollars for you. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, I write about that in the in, in that last step in the book about uh, yes, there are ways. Um, the real estate agents might not like it, but the, the good ones are going to be fine with it because it's a way of rewarding the ones who do a good job yeah. for you um, and, and not so much those who don't do a good job. The other thing that I've got in the book at various places is kind of sections on the psychology that relates to, to money issues like the psychology of spending. There's some really interesting research done on that about what makes people spend too much and what sort of spending is the, is the sort that will be most rewarding for you. And then um, the differences between the way men and women invest, we've talked about that before, but that's mm. really interesting to ponder and for people to think about and what people can do if they have a problem with their finances, all the about the financial dispute schemes that are out there that people, still too, way too many people don't know those schemes are there. And the, in short, if you've got any problem with any financial service or product these days, it's set up so that the company, you have to complain to the company. If you're not happy with what they do, there'll be a disputes resolution scheme that they have to belong to that will listen to your side of the argument and, and can award money to you. So that's kind of neat. There's also a bit of a section on um, steering clear of scams um, some of the traps people fall into that that lead to them ending up in scams. So, you know, all sorts of different facets of people's financial lives. Have you got some questions there? Because what we need to do before we finish is... And why don't you talk about the, next time? Yeah, the publishers, which are HarperCollins, publishers of this, of this uh, book, have given given Jesse's program five copies of the book and what we've decided to do to give them to listeners is ask you people to send questions into Jesse um, or you can send them to my email address if you prefer um, but label them as questions for Jesse's segment about what we've talked about today or, or, or broadly about how to kind of approach your financial situation or problems you've had you might want to tell us a story about what's, what why it's been difficult for you to get going. Mm. Um, and Jessie and I will choose the best five and address those issues next time. Well, there might even be time to do more than the five, but, yeah, great. but uh, five people will win a copy of the book. Yes, please. Uh, email us and we'll uh, take care of it. Jessie at radionz.co.nz. We'll call it sort of questions inspired by Mary's book. And we probably need a, yeah, a quick a quick email title for them. What should we call them? Book questions or something like that. Yeah, um, we better put your name in it. Oh, Mary's book. Mary's book. We call there it Mary's go. book. Or something. Then it's easy for us to spot them in the emails okay. coming in. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hope that was clear. I'll reiterate that just after three o'clock today. Mary, thanks. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, uh, it's Mary Holm with the eight steps to sorting your finances. And uh, if you missed any of them, you can listen back on podcast.